Do you know how I knew your name was Doc? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me. Don't put it in your pocket, it's your lucky quarter. I had a dream about this place. And then I woke up. What? What's up, everybody? It's your boy Quattro on the mic. Welcome back to Brackets and B-Rolls, the podcast to bring together bra- movies and March Madness in the best <laughs> way possible. See, this is why I don't let you do that. This is why I don't let you do it. See, you fucked it up. You you had you had one shot. You, that wasn't my shot. I took it because you never gave me a shot. Well, you know what? Okay. You know what? <laughs> you know what season, you maybe did? next season. You know what you did, man. <laughs> You gave away your shot. I'm sorry, ass. <laughs> if you was in Hamilton, you would have gave away that shot. Why you gonna use my favorite musical against me like that? That's hey man. Well, I mean, ain't nobody tell you to try that stupid ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Brackets and B Rolls, the podcast that brings together March Madness and movies in the best way possible. It's me, it's your host, Fly Guy, Mother Freaking Ty, aka Ty. You already know who it is. And with me, as always, my lovely co host, who so uh, brilliantly botched that intro. Go ahead and let the know, people know who you are, man. What's up, guys? It's your boy Quattro. I'm happy to be back, man. Awesome. Awesome. How you doing, man? How you feeling? I've been good, man. It's It's been a minute since I've spoken to you. Yeah. I miss you. I miss you too, man. You look cute today. Oh, thanks. No problem. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, but uh, if, if this is your first time here at the show, welcome. You know, uh, a, a pleasure to have you. This is not your first time. Welcome back. Uh, last episode, we uh, are continuing our reviews of the uh, all 28 of the films in this season, the psychological thriller season, season two of uh, Brackens and B-Rolls. And uh, today we're going to be doing more of the same. We got another block of four. We're going to be doing uh, about seven of these episodes, seven episodes of just straight reviews, y'all. So uh, this is episode three. We still got some more to go, and I'm really excited. Watching these movies is really fun. I'm hoping y'all are getting a chance to watch some of these movies, too, and getting a chance to uh, enjoy them. Uh, please, if you are watching them, though, let us know. Tweet at us or comment on, on our uh, IG um, just how enjoyable uh, you've, you've how, how much fun you've had watching the movies, if you've had fun at all, what you think is good, what you think is bad, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into it. Uh, today, we've got four uh, films. Uh, just a reminder, we picked uh, a list of 28 films uh, from a French-British magazine called Marie Claire. And uh, you can find the 28 films uh, on our Instagram account. Uh, you know, it's one of our posts. And we have a, a little slideshow of all the all 28 of the films and uh, presumably where you could find them. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Uh, so today we're going to be getting into the next set, set number three, where we've been uh, watching and reviewing these movies in release order. And so let's go ahead and get right into it. Y'all, we got the first movie today, The Shining released in 1980, directed by Stanley Kubrick, written by Stanley Kubrick and Diane Johnson, based on the novel by Stephen King, starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, and Scatman Crothers, with a Rotten Tomato score of 85% and a critic's consensus that reads, Though it deviates from Stephen King's novel, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is a chilling, often baroque journey into madness, exemplified by an unforgettable turn from Jack Nicholson. What should be done with him? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's true. I think you have some very definite ideas about what should be done with Danny, and I'd like to know what they are. Maybe he should be taken to a doctor. <laughs> when do you think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? As soon as possible. As soon as possible. Jack. <laughs> you believe his health might be at stake? Yes. You are concerned about him. concerned about me so man this is a uh, one of the more uh, iconic one of the more popular movies we have on this list we've got a lot uh, a lot out of the 28 in this genre we've got a lot of uh, i'd say staples in in pop culture and the shining is definitely up there you know pretty popular popular film how'd you feel about it man uh definitely was really excited to to revisit this uh this film in this season because like you said it is a touchstone in cinema um and just like the critic the critics consensus said um the performance from Jack Nicholson is masterful he's just an amazing actor to watch work um i really watched like loved watching him throughout this film just get like crazier and crazier and more fucked up um so that was like my favorite part one of the things that i really um noted in watching this movie again um i also really liked the cinematography like the color in this movie is used very um, intentional, which I really like. And I love how, in a movie that could be darker, it could use some darker undertones, like uh, Stanley Kubrick uses that color to, to as an advantage to you know move the story forward, which I really enjoyed. Um, I really liked, uh, what's her, um, let me get her name. Hold on, y'all, sorry. Shelley Duvall? Shelley Duvall. She did an amazing job in this film as well. Um, she generally just like, I loved the way she showed terror, the way she emoted terror. Um, just iconic. We all know the... Here's Johnny! That iconic. Um, I also enjoyed watching Danny um, and his journey throughout the movie. My favorite part in the film was when he was talking to... Um, Scatman Crothers? Yeah, what's his name in the movie? Dick Halloran. Mr. Halloran. Mr. Halloran. That's my favorite scene when they're like, he's like, you want to go get some ice cream? And they go talk and he's talking about uh, Shining. And it's funny because like, I don't know why, even though I know he's not talking about like, he's talking about uh, Danny's ability to speak without, you know, opening his mouth and, you know, like kind of that telepathic speak for lack of a better term. Um, just the way he was saying, delivering those lines. Yeah, you got the shine. I'm like, I love that. I love the way he delivered those lines. Um, but all in all, just an amazing movie. Um, I actually really don't like the score in The Shining. I never have. Actually, yeah, mm, it's it's very like, I don't know, I feel like I'm being attacked by the music, which I'm sure is probably the point, but like, I don't like it, but I'm not saying it's trash or anything like that. I just personally didn't like it. Um, but it's definitely not a knock for the movie, but I definitely enjoyed The Shining. And it, it definitely has me in the, in the space to like check out Dr. Sleep uh, somewhere down the line. The like subsequent like sequel, I guess, to it. Yeah, yeah. That came out in twenty nineteen. Starring Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh interesting that you don't like the score since uh the shining uh the score the the score for the shining is um the theme I should say specifically mm-hmm. is uh one of my favorites. I think it's 
Um, it's awesome. I can't think of the instrument I'm thinking of right now, uh, but there's there's a certain tone and feel to it that really uh, really works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to, just to piggyback off of what you said, um, I was also pretty excited to to see revisit this. I guess because I did watch it for the first time. Um, I guess all the way through about a year ago as of recording this. Uh, and because before that I'd seen it, but I'd fallen asleep and stuff like that. But this time I got a chance to on this rewatch, uh, I, I got a chance to just sit down, turn it on, start to finish, just let it wash over me uh, again. And on the rewatch, I really enjoyed it. I think uh, I like to think of the the shining as an atmosphere. And I think the, the film is more interested in, um, in building an atmosphere, in building an atmosphere, as opposed to um, kind of telling a, a story about the descent into madness of uh, Jack Nicholson's character, Jack Torrance, mm-hmm. which uh, is one of St- Stephen King's uh, biggest complaints with the film, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, the fact that in The Shining, the novel, uh, the it, it's a lot more cerebral and what goes on in uh, Jack Torrance's head is much more in a, a focus uh, as far as where the story goes. Whereas uh, Kubrick, it's very clear that that is not where his interest lies in this story, uh, in this adaptation. He did not. That he it was very clear to me that he did not find that as interesting as maybe Stephen King did. Mm. And uh, that that's shown in the way that he handles the the mystery of, of uh, what Jack Torrance is doing because there isn't one. Like it's it's almost as soon as they move into the uh, the Overlook, it's it's clear like oh we know Jack Torrance is going crazy. Like that's that that is not something that is played close to the chest. Stanley Kubrick kind of does away with that mystery and just uh, uh, let lets it wears that I guess on his sleeve, which is um, an interesting uh, storytelling uh, uh, decision. And it actually makes me interested to read uh, the the Shining, the novel itself, just because I think it would be um, something that I'd like to contra- contrast it with the, uh, the the movie, just because I do really find myself enjoying the movie. Now, Stanley Kubrick is one of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, some of his work has been just formative for me as a cinephile. But the Shining, and it's it's interesting because the first time I saw it, and I guess now I, I just kind of have this this feeling towards it uh it's i find it underwhelming but also like something that i really really like because i like i love the movie but it's still underwhelming for me because hearing people talk about it prior to the first time i saw it it was like oh man the shining this this amazing movie and then there was just something missing in it that i when i saw it for the first time i was like ah i don't know like it's it's good but it's not it's not like a it, it didn't blow me away the way I thought it would. Mm. Uh, and I think that might have something to do with the story and how, uh, like I said, I like to think of The Shining as more of an atmosphere movie than a story movie, which is something that I love. Like, I love that kind of film. And I think Kubrick is actually pretty good at yeah. doing Kubrick is good at stuff both. like that. He's, he's, he's good at both, honestly, because mm. you, mo- you have movies like Barry Lyndon or um, uh, uh, Paths of Glory, which are very much interested in the story that they're telling as opposed to the atmosphere they're creating. Whereas like you have something like this or uh 2001, a space odyssey, which is very much like, this is a story. This is, um, this is more of a, a feeling you get. Like, this is more, I want you to sit down, experience this as opposed to really, um, having, having yourself, uh, 
stimulated in the same way you might be if you're watching um, a, a more packed uh, story. I feel like that that might not have been the most coherent thing that I could have said. But point is, uh, The Shining to me feels more like an atmosphere, and uh, it feels like Kubrick was a lot more invested in that atmosphere than um, the, the the characters. And I think the Overlook is by far the most interesting part of the movie. Uh, and I think anything with the Overlook is uh, some of the best stuff in the movie. Like just watching Danny ride his little tricycle around the hotel is yeah. is is awesome. Because just because it looks amazing and the way it's shot is great. Because Kubrick just cinematography in this movie is fucking beautiful. But on top of that, it's just uh, the Overlook has such a such an austere to it. it has such a uh, a feeling of. Uh, it's almost an existential uh, dread that comes when you look at it because it's so vast and you can feel the history in it. Mm. And I think uh, that that aspect is really captured well. Um, uh, oh, shit. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. On the on the rewatch, I will say uh, Mr. Halloran, I loved him way more. I don't know why I didn't really care about him the first time around, mm. but the beginning, like like you said, that's one of the best parts of the whole movie, just hearing when he and Danny go talk. Mm. And he's telling Danny about uh, Shining and what his him and his grandma used to do and just the the details of that a little bit. It's like, wow, this is uh, Scatman Crothers really, really does a lot of the work in that scene. And Danny Lloyd is a little boy. He's actually pretty good, too. Surprised. Like, yeah. You know, was, hate children. Was, so. Very, very good stuff here. Um, Jack Nicholson is amazing as well. Granted, uh, and I think he does. He brings a lot of nuance to the role where I mm. think a, a lesser actor because because there's no real room for us to speculate about whether Jack Torrance is crazy, because it's almost instantly revealed that he is. Yeah. Uh, but Jack Nicholson's really able to play around with that and still bring something interesting to the role that I think, I think a lesser w- actor might not have been able to. For me, it was like for the first like half of the movie, it was more so he wasn't crazy. He just was like a drunk, angry, like he was an angry, you know, ex drinker and, you know, all the things that come with that. But then as the movie progressed, like it became more of like, uh, he's not just some angry asshole. Like he's actually crazy. Kind of like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, mm. where he was just kind of like a weirdo. And then as the movie, as the movie progressed, you figure out, okay, yeah, this dude's just sort of fly, but he's crazy. Yeah. That's an interesting comparison, especially because one of those men is influenced, uh, presumably at least by some sort of outside, uh, supernatural force. Whereas, mm. uh, the other is just, uh, bad person but um digression uh Shelley Duvall I think most people a lot or not most but a lot of cinephiles know the um the conflicting uh maybe not that's not that's probably not even a good word the problematic divisive. oh the uh what, what'd you say divisive uh no I, I'd say problem probably divisive and problematic history of uh the making of The Shining specifically in Stanley Kubrick's treatment of Shelley Duvall as an actress mm. um he was really abusive to her really uh treated her uh, poorly um made her do things uh like redo take uh he was, I think I don't know if he was ever physically abusive uh but I know he's very verbally abusive and uh he made life for her on set uh terrifying which I mean Ended up yielding a performance like what she was able to do in uh, this film, especially when the, in the sequences where she's very clearly scared, it feels authentic, which is like, I mean, a good performance, but you, it, objectively speaking, you probably shouldn't do that to your your uh, actor. So yeah. there, there's a lot going on there. That's not really a can of worms that I care to get into uh, right now. That's not really what the show is. 
But um, it, it's still a, an interesting piece of cinema history that I think is um, it, it is is worth uh, at the very least commenting on, especially because um, on the first time I watched this movie, I kind of thought Shelley Duvall was like, yeah, she's. I didn't really care about her performance. I, I thought it was kind of weak. But on this time, I actually liked it a lot more. Uh, I, and I kind of, it kind of reminded me of uh, Gabriel Byrne's character in Hereditary, uh, in that Gabriel Byrne in Hereditary, the father of the of the house, he's the only one that doesn't have some weird shit going on. Like he's the only normal one, and he's just trying to keep his family together and uh, and safe. And whereas uh, uh, Wendy, Wendy Torrance in this film, uh, Shelley Duvall's character, she's very much uh, she's also the only normal one there. Uh, her husband is, like you said, a drunk, but he's also uh, he's got some weird shit going on, probably possessed. And her son is dealing with some weird shit, too. Maybe possessed, maybe not. But the point is, she's the only one who doesn't have anything extra external going on with her. And she's just trying to keep everything together and getting caught in the middle of it. She's put in a very uh, terrifying situation, quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've uh, spoken enough about this. I don't want to uh, talk a little bit. I don't want to talk too much more just because there is so much that could be said about the shining. I really, really like it as a film. Uh, and I am very excited to uh, honestly, I would, I would revisit this. I don't really find it uh, all that. I, I think it's something that is really rich and something that there's always stuff to pick apart from it. And um, it's it's honestly as weird as it sounds, something that I feel like I could just throw on and just have it on because I know it would. It's one of those things that would uh, mesmerize me as soon as I put it on. Once I hear the score, and also one more thing I gotta say, I saw like the opening of the movie. It starts with like what looks like drone shots, and it's like what the f- how and like in that moment I was like, there's no way in hell this man had drone shots in the '80s, and then you realize, oh, he just put a camera in a helicopter. And it's actually funny because one of the last uh, quote unquote drone shots we get, you can see the propellers in the in the top of it a little bit. Uh, but that was just something that really caught my eye, just because I uh, I do have a little experience flying a drone and, and shooting mm-hmm. stuff on a drone. So uh, and I, I'm a lot more cognizant whenever I notice a drone shot and things that I watch, and I'm like, oh, that's a drone shot. And it, it was really interesting to see that in something that like I was like, oh, that's I don't remember drones being around back then which they weren't but uh that's still neither here nor there at least i don't think they were and i I could be wrong but i'm pretty sure you just put the camera in a helicopter but that's enough about that like i said we could talk way more but uh we got more movies to get to so what are you giving the shiny man let me get a nine out of ten nice nice Uh, i actually am giving it an eight and a half Mm -hmm. i think eight and a half out of ten uh I, i it's a great movie really really enjoy it and like I said, it's um, Kubrick's one of my favorite directors, and I haven't. I think I've seen all but one of his films, and this is like in the bottom half for me personally. Like his other stuff is just so much better for me, uh, but this is still amazing. Like similar thing that I have with. Uh, I won't get into that right now. Anyway, uh, that's enough of The Shining. Let's go ahead and get into the next movie today. Uh, in this block, we have Blue Velvet, released in 1986, directed by David Lynch. Written by David Lynch, starring Isabella Rossellini, Kyle MacLachlan, Dennis Hopper, and Laura Dern, with a Rotten Tomato score of 94%, and a critic's consensus reading, if audiences walk away from this subversive, surreal shocker, not fully understanding the story, they might also walk away with a deeper perception of the potential of film storytelling. 
There are a couple of cases I get mixed up on. Mm -hmm. But one name that keeps coming up is this woman Singer. She lives in an apartment building that is real close to your house. It's also close to the field where you found the year. It's a strange world, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know where this woman's apartment building is? Yeah, it's really close by. That's what's so creepy. They had her under surveillance for a couple months, except I don't know what they found out, because it's not my dad's case. So... I uh, guess you gotta get back home pretty soon, huh? Not really. Why? Well, uh... You want to see the building? Yeah. Come on, I'll show you. Okay. Now that is a incredibly... Uh, that, that is a critic's consensus, unlike what I'm used to reading. And so... Yeah, that definitely sounded different from anything I've ever heard. Yeah, it, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. It felt, I, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't describe why it felt so different. But I feel like you guys know what I mean when I say like, yeah, that didn't feel like a critic consensus that I'm used to reading on Rotten Tomatoes. But anyway, uh, Blue Velvet, I'm a huge fan of the movie. But I'll go ahead and let you, uh, let you start off, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. I... I don't know. I didn't really come away because this was this was the first time I'd ever seen it, and I didn't really come away like this is the most amazing film ever. Like it's definitely one I would love to revisit. Um, but I do like the performances. That's what stuck out to me the most. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin, McLaughlin as Jeffrey Beaumont, um, Isabella Rossellini as Dorothy Valens. I also really enjoyed her. Um, I guess that for her was the one that kind of fits the genre of what we're doing this season, the uh, psychological thrillers. Like she definitely had a lot of skeletons in the closet and the way she wore that in the movie uh, was really interesting. And then even with um, Jeffrey Beaumont's character in the way that he started off as kind of like this nobody that kind of seemed like he just wanted to kind of fit in, in a sense, drawing another parallel to um, the main character of The Conformist Conformist, Mm -hmm. and where like he just was kind of trying to be a part of something mm-hmm. because if, in the movie I'm like why is he so hell bent on solving this mystery he kind of happened to fall into like he could have just turned in the ear and like you know life goes on mm-hmm. but like he just became so hell bent and then then he ended up you know getting in bed with the wrong people literally and <laughs> figuratively speaking um and so he kind of works into the narrative as well which I thought was kind of cool and then Laura Dern's character I actually really enjoyed her a lot um it was crazy how young she looked. I was like, wow, that, that's Lauren Dern. Like, right? that's insane. Right, man. Um, <laughs> but no, nah, this movie definitely is one I want to rewatch. Um, but I, I didn't, actually, I came away enjoying it for the most part. Nice, nice. Uh, I am a David Lynch super fan. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I love Twin Peaks. I love Blue Velvet. I love Mulholland Drive. Uh, Eraserhead is great. And I, honestly, there's a lot of his stuff that I still haven't seen yet. But of what I've seen, uh, he's by far one of my favorite uh, filmmakers. One of my favorite. One of my favorite storytellers. And um, Blue Velvet. I think. I think Blue Velvet was the first of his films I'd seen because I saw it back in October of 2020. If I'm not mistaken, for the first time. Mm. Um, and it was. It was. It was like fall or winter of 2020 for the first time I, when I saw it because I had been watching Twin Peaks at that point. I was like, you know what? I've heard a lot of good things about Blue Velvet. I want to check it out. And uh, I, it blew my mind. And so just getting a chance to revisit it, I actually, it's one of the criterions I own. Um, and it is, it's awesome. It's, it's, it looks beautiful. Cinematography is amazing. The set design is gorgeous. Uh, and, as, and the performances, like you said, they're awesome. They're, they're just great. Like David Lynch's 
uh, very good at getting great performances out of the actors he works with. I mean, and he almost always works with stellar actors. I don't know why I said almost always. I think I think I can just go ahead and say always works with stellar actors. Um, but yeah, it's it's just great, great stuff. Uh, Blue Velvet and uh, the score also, I love it. And I mean, the the song for the movie, if I'm not mistaken, Bobby Valentino didn't like write this write the song Blue Velvet for the film. I could be, I know, I'm almost positive that's not what happened. But still, the fact that that is a song is amazing. Like, Blue Velvet is in my head and will always be in my head now because of this film. Uh, that's It's a great song, first of all. But uh, just moving on a little bit. The the movie, to me, and I think it's something that uh, is a reason why I love David Lynch so much just as a, as a, as a filmmaker. It's so rich in terms of its thematic significance and what it, it has to say. And just the different readings that could be brought out of it, because uh, in in this, uh, like you said, Jeffrey Beaumont, Kyle uh, McLaughlin's character, he could easily, um, you know, take the ear, turn it in, and then just go about his life. He doesn't really need to do anything about that. But I think David Lynch in this is trying to say something about the way that uh innocence and i and uh, i think honestly david mm. lynch likes to play in that uh space a lot just through his work that i've seen but um innocence and uh uh childlike innocence especially uh, and the way that that can be um ruined and soiled by the evil and darkness of the world mm. and uh cuz it's it's uh, i like i i see the the story of the film as uh jeffrey finding it and uh when he gets um Ah, what's Laura Dern's character's name? Sally? No. Mm, Sandy. Um, Cindy. Yeah. Sandy. 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 Uh, when when she gets involved, it's it's it, it's very much it's giving two uh, kids looking uh, for trouble, trying to trying to explore, just trying to get to a place where. <laughs> did you catch it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I said it, and I was like, "Wow, I cannot believe I said that shit unironically." Right, you but... really did. <laughs> Oh my god! I cannot believe I just said it's giving, unironically. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro. Anyway, um, it, it's it's a uh, it, it's these two kids and they're just they're exploring and they're trying to get uh, a a sense of they they've lived a sheltered life they've been uh they they've grown up in suburbia they don't really know much about struggle or anything and they want a sense of adventure they want to explore they want to see what there is what exists outside of that and in doing so uh they stumble upon a underground and underworld of just pain and darkness and just disgustingness and i think david lynch has a lot be, be, through that he says a lot about uh just the world and his worldview is very interesting uh just based on what i've seen through his stuff i feel like david lynch has got a really uh unique way of uh seeing the the world and the way it operates on a on a fundamental level and uh i I just think i really like the way that things play out between the two and uh and and i think it's that's not necessarily some sort of super high high high-minded uh interesting reading because i mean there's a point where Jeffrey Beaumont literally says, "Like, why is the world so dark or evil or something like that?" And it's it, it it's not a it's it's not some sort of a secret that that's what he's going for. But that's still uh it's still an interesting aspect of what's going on in the film. 
And uh, it's it's something that uh, it's it's an unsettling watch for sure. But I think David Lynch works in that space and he likes to do that kind of thing. He likes to challenge his viewers and just tell his stories in a way that's really uh, compelling and meaningful. And it just it just really works for me on that on a lot of levels, but especially uh, the subconscious. Um, I don't know if there's a movie that. I don't know if there's anything else that David Lynch has done that's quite as uncomfortable or unsettling as Blue Velvet, at least mm. in its entirety, because there are sequences like when when Frank is just in it and he's yeah. and Dennis Hopper is just allowed to let loose. It's 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 rough. It is not yeah. fun to watch. It no. is like, oh, my God, I hate this. Like, get this off the screen. And uh, I think that really that really works to uh, the benefit of uh the story that's being told obviously it's um and that's why i would recommend this movie with the with the a disclaimer like you know well yeah if you are into this kind of thing definitely check it out but like the critics consensus said you might come away not really understanding what you just saw mm. because it is a really uh well in terms of plotting it's not that complex like i think yeah. i'd say it's pretty straightforward but there's still a lot going on in the margins and stuff that don't really make sense and um, I that's think, why I definitely think I, I would love to rewatch this, revisit like this movie. Yeah, like, exactly. I definitely came away like the fuck. Yeah, exactly. And I and I, that's one of the things I love the most about uh, Lynch's stuff. It's just it almost always has a, a, a quality to it. That's so. Wait, what did I just watch? Like, even though I, I even though I saw it and I know it like I could. I could explain it if someone asked me to. But in the process of explaining it, I would start to ask questions like, wait, did I really? Did I understand that the way that I thought that I, the way that I thought I did, and that is just such a such a fun thing to me about uh, just the way he tells his stories, and uh, that that's awesome. But uh, I think we've spoken enough about Blue Velvet. It's genuinely one of my favorite movies, um, it, and it's one of the better uh, David Lynch. It's actually not my favorite David Lynch film, and I'm very excited to get to that one because that is in this season. That is my one of my all time favorite movies, and it's uh, my favorite David Lynch project as far as uh, I'm concerned. I think I've only seen it once though, so maybe we'll see. Uh, but I'm really excited to get to that. But uh, let's go ahead and rate Blue Velvet before we uh, before we finish up, man. What you uh, what you giving Blue Velvet? Mm, considering that I still have to rewatch it, I would say put me put me down for a seven point five. Seven point five. Okay, respect. I, I I can understand that. I. Uh, I'm sitting at a nine out of ten. The mm, the, okay. the film is basically perfect for me. There's some stuff. There's some there's some minor things in it that I probably would do differently. That I that that kind of draw back away from it. But um, I, I, it's still awesome. It's still a still a great film and uh, definitely it definitely fits the the genre. Like what we I didn't we didn't talk about it at all in The Shining. But as far as thrillers are concerned, The Shining and Blue Velvet both fit that bill yeah. beautifully. Just yeah. because of the way that they uh, unfold and unravel and uh they're they're truly experiences and mm. uh it's it's just all around fun time definitely some good stuff but let's go ahead and move on to the next film we have the silence of the lambs released in 1991 directed by jonathan demi written by ted talley based on the novel by thomas harris starring jodie foster anthony hopkins lawrence a bonnie and cassie lemons with a rotten tomato score of 96 percent and a critics consensus reading Director Jonathan Demme's smart talk thriller teeters on the edge between psychological study and all-out horror and benefits greatly from stellar performances by Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. I'm only asking you to look at this, Doctor. Either you will or you won't. Yeah. Jack Crawford must be very busy indeed if he is recruiting help from the student body. 
busy hunting that new one, Buffalo Bill. What a naughty boy he is. Do you know why he's called Buffalo Bill? Please tell me. The newspapers won't say. Well, it started as a bad joke in Kansas City homicide, and they said, this one likes to skin his humps. Why do you think he removes their skins, Agent Starling? Throw me with your acumen. It excites him. Most serial killers keep some sort of trophies from their victims. I didn't. No. No, you ate yours. Now, I will say, I haven't really been speaking to um, the fact that, granted, while these films are a part of our psychological thriller genre, they kind of, especially The Shining, like that's a, that's I think across the board that's considered a horror film, uh, and it is. I mean, I guess it is one. I don't necessarily. I I don't know. That's not really. I don't want to get into the weeds of that, but I'm just saying um, it's it's interesting that that uh, the critics consensus does a. Uh, uh, outright say that silence of the lambs is a horror film because i don't know if i would necessarily qualify it as that but um i i suppose um i, I honestly i'd say it, it almost fits feels more like a psychological thriller than the other two films just because it's it's almost like a detective it's it, it's literally a detective drama so but uh that's enough of that go ahead and uh, tell the folks how you felt about silence of the lambs man what uh, was your experience with it uh uh what probably my favorite film of this of the set second favorite film of the set but Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, period, point blank. That's the tweet. What an amazing, what amazing performances from both. Uh, I'm gonna unpack Jodie Foster really quick. Jodie Foster did an amazing freaking job. Just the way her, um, her and Anthony Hopkins bounced off of each other was like a tug and pull, like a dance in the way that their their sequences went, their scenes um, went. Um, and I just really liked the type of character, the way she carried herself, where like. Oh, she had the soft exterior, but like hard as a rock on the inside. And she's like um, moving through this movie and like there's chinks in her armor for sure. You know, like with the death of her dad and stuff like that. And, you know, just being a woman in a dominant, in a male dominated arena being the FBI um, at the time. Um, Just the also, way. Uh, just again, didn't say it up top. Haven't really been spoiling stuff, but spoilers, spoilers I guess, for the movies that we've been talking about. Uh, just general rule of thumb, probably be good to just watch them before you listen to this episode, just because I think it would be, it'd be more rewarding to hear our thoughts having seen them, but, uh, by no means do you have to, and especially because, uh, just keep in mind though, we, we might be doing spoilers. So just be forewarned, uh, go ahead though. Right. For the, uh, yeah. So there were chinks in her armor that shone through and she was able to play with that very well. And then you bring in Anthony Hopkins, who's just dissecting her as the, as the film goes on, but also her too. But um, her dissecting him in a, in a kind of sixth sense, but um, just the way that they their tug and pull was amazing. The cinematography in this film is hitherto undreamt of. It's amazing. I love it a lot. What uh, you shaking your head for? Because you very clearly got that quote from Infinity War. Did I really? And no, yeah. I came up with that. Hitherto undreamt of. I said. That I before, will. I said that before Doctor Strange. I one hundred. I know you didn't. I, I know you didn't. I, I did though. You did not. But I did though. You know what? I won't. I hey, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. All right. Shh. Quiet. I won't, I'm talking. Thank you, <sighs> Mr. President. I'm speaking. You are not the Mr. President. President. I'm speaking. Oh, I see, Mr. President. I'm Thank speaking. you. Hey, you're right. My bad. My bad. 
Keep going. My bad. Appreciate it. Joe Byron. Thank Bing you. bong. Um, as I was saying, um, I was really interrupted. Um, cinematography is on point. And the, my, well, the main thing about this film that even though that all the times that I watch it now or rewatches, every single time my eyes not leave the screen because it is, I'm freaking like, I'm on the ride, man. Like it, the thrill is so, my heart is beating out of my chest. I'm like, yo, he got, he's, he's escaped. Where the hell is he? What's going on? Like I love being on the thrill ride. That is the Santa of the Lambs. Amazing fucking film. Loved it. How many times have you seen it? Uh, yesterday was like maybe the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. Wow. Okay. I really like that movie. Nice. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it three times. I think yesterday okay. when we watched it yesterday, that was my third time. Give it, yeah, my third time. And even though I fell asleep, I still like. Hello, Clarice. Yeah, he it. Anthony Hopkins 100% earned his Oscar for that. Even though he had what? Like <laughs> less than 30 minutes of screen time, he's still, man, he, it is, it is masterful. Like the, the work that he and, and Jodie Foster do, mm, it, it is, geez, man, it is, oh, it's the stuff of, it's, it's, it's masterpieceistic or whatever the fuck. It's, it's fucking, uh, spell it. Hey, shut up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it is it, it is it is chef's kiss. It's so good. Uh, no, I'm I'm very much in agreement with you. Um, I will say, while this, I don't know if this is my favorite of the set. It might be though, because as much as I really like uh, The Shining and love Blue Velvet, I do think that I. Like the that I love the silence of the lamb, the silence of the lambs the most, uh, just because on the second time I rewatched it, uh, or I guess the first time I rewatched it, uh, it it stuck out to me as just a, a cinematic masterclass. Like I was like, wow, this this feels like it's perfect. Like just from a storytelling aspect, from an editing aspect, from a from a cinematography aspect, everything about this feels perfect. Like it feels like it was just cookie cutter in the best way possible uh and it's got two of the best sequences in cinema history as far as i'm concerned um the first one being uh lecter's escape um mm. that that just the tension in that scene is 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 you can cut through it with a fucking fork uh, like the it, flag, it is the the way that that security guard was strung up oh, oh man. man it is it's it's just Hannibal Lecter is the stuff of nightmares, yeah. and it is, ah, uh, is it's it's amazing. And then the sequence at the end as well. Um, there's there's a parallel editing moment. Uh, there's a moment of there's a sequence of parallel editing, and there's uh we 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 follow two groups of uh two different groups as they go into a door, and the the cut there is a lot more. Uh, it is a, there's a reveal that is um on the first time you see it, it's like holy shit. Uh, and granted, afterwards, you know it's coming, but it's still like it's still like you said, your heart is pounding through your chest. Uh, just on a more, uh, I guess, uh, not guessed, uh, on a more uh, minute level, uh, getting into the 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 weeds and the nitty gritty of the film, uh, we see C- C- Jodie Foster brings so much to the role as uh, Clarice, and I think uh, without her, and I, I mean. It's kind of stupid to say this at this point, but anytime 
whenever whenever you have a great film with a great lead, saying that without them the movie wouldn't be as good is counter is like intuitive, but yet I still feel the need to say it. Without her, this movie one hundred percent would not be as good as it is. Like Jodie Foster made this role her own and and it is it's something of uh it's it's just it's magnificent and uh i love the the chemistry feels wrong because i mean at the end of the day that's what it is but the 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 back and forth the give and take the interactions between clarice and uh hannibal because they're both incredibly intelligent Almost uh, to the to the point where they're way smarter than everyone around them, and so they operate and they they talk to each other on a level uh, beyond what the everyone else can kind of understand. And it's really it, it's just it's it makes for some really compelling storytelling. Like there's some stuff going on in that in in those moments when they're just talking to each other. It's just like oh my gosh, man, you guys are, you guys are made for each other. And it's, it's also, there's an extra level of tension to it because it's like, at the end of the day, Clarice is very smart and she is equipped to handle Hannibal on some level. At the end of the day, she's still way out of her depth. Like he's, he outmatches her and it's, and that's what makes it so satisfying when, in the moments when she is able to outsmart him or back him into a corner uh, verbally, it's it's still it's it's just it's some of the most compelling stuff that I've ever seen personally, and uh, it, it's just it's so good. I love watching that shit unfold. Uh, the writing in this, and honestly, I would love to read the novel. Uh, and I keep saying that about all the movies that we keep watching, but uh, just reading reading the novel, I feel like would be so fun. Uh, just because I'd like to see the way uh, Jonathan Demme. Uh, adapted this this masterpiece uh from I, i'd like to read the source material that it was adapted from um is there anything else that i wanted to say because there's so much stuff to say about all these films but i don't want to spend too much time on any one of them uh is there anything else i will say i really 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 appreciated the way that the film uh deals with the fact that jodie foster is a woman in a male-dominated profession mm-hmm. and i think uh it's in as True, it, it speaks truth to power. I don't know if I used the phrase right. I hope I did. Nope. But in, in the way that uh, being a woman is a piece of your identity uh, that you can't extricate from yourself, that is, and, and when you, you have to wear that with you when you go through life, the same way you have to wear any piece of your identity, if you're anything for that matter. And I love the way that the film kind of does that, especially in moments when we find, we find uh, Clarice oftentimes in, See in in moments where she's in a space where she's the only woman there, like the there's a there's a moment in the beginning when she's in the elevator and she's the only woman in there. It's really it really early on kind of primes us for what's going to what what this what this her dynamic in is as she kind of uh, navigates this world of uh, the FBI and mm. just the male dominated profession as a whole. Uh, but that's I, I'd say that's enough for now. We can. We might we'll probably get into this uh, later on when we start to make the pick our sweet sixteen and stuff like that. Get into the nitty gritty of the the bracket and shit like that. Because I full transparency, I would be. I, I'm 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 saying it right now. I, I say I think this movie makes it in. Like I I'm, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't. Yeah, abs- end up what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but that that's enough about Silence of the Lambs, man. What you uh, what would you, what would you give it out of ten? Nine point five. Nine point five. 
Nice. Uh, the first time I watched it, I only gave it an eight. And then the second time on the rewatch, the first rewatch, that is, uh, it, it just it clicked on so many different levels for me. And it became a 10, like all time favorite masterpiece movie for me. Um, it, it's this one is going to be be with me f- like for a long time. I have it on Criterion and man, it is it's something else. It's just beautiful. It's another it's another film that I think uh, works on so many levels and it's 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 kind of terrifying like it's it's not something that it's not an easy watch by no means but it's it's a thrilling watch and it's very much uh interested in the psychology of its characters and that makes it so much better uh than a lesser film but uh enough speaking uh very obviously about a great movie let's go ahead and get into the last film of this block wow we're making great time dude i'm impressed i've been i haven't even been trying to but we are doing great on time uh, so, now, next film, we have Perfect Blue, 1997, directed by Satoshi Kon, written by, oh, man, I'm gonna, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna mess these names up, uh, written by Sadayuki Mirai, based on the novel by Yoshikazu Takayuchi, starring Junko Iwao, Rika Matsumoto, Shinpachi Suji, and Masaki Okura. With a Rotten Tomato score of 80% and a critic's consensus that reads, Perfect Blue is overstylized, but its core mystery is always compelling, as are the visual theatrics. I'm <laughs> 一貫した事故同一性という幻想を作り上げている。先生、私怖いんです。私の知らないところでもう一人の私が勝手に。大丈夫。幻想が実体化するなんてありえないもの。カトー。今じゃどうした？ごめんなさい。ああもう。いや、な、雨だね。風邪ひきそう。すみません。あ。うん。It's to describe the film. It's the wrong word, but you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, I would agree. It is not the right word for it. But hey, uh, different strokes, I guess. Well, how, how'd you feel about uh, Perfect Blue Man? What was your experience with it? Probably one of my, probably my favorite film of this set. Uh, Perfect Blue is animated so freaking well. As a fan of animation and a visual artist myself, I absolutely loved the way this film looked. Um, I thought the... And I loved anime from that time period, like the ni- early 90s and like... That was um, late 90s, but... Late 90s, mm-hmm. early 90s. Um, early 90s. 90s in general, honestly. Yeah, the 90s in general. Like, I just loved that old anime look, um, especially given the way animation in terms of anime is going now. I definitely prefer it, like that older look. Um, but just like the look of the movie, top 10. It's amazing. I love it. Um, but just the story, I love the simplicity of it. I loved um, the 
following Mima as she goes through the change of being like a famous pop idol, which every time they said it in the movie, I was like, oh my God, if they say pop idol one more time, I'm going to lose it. Because <laughs> like in America, we don't call it a pop idol. We call it like a pop star. And I was like, what the hell is a pop idol? But uh, her, you know, transitioning from a pop idol to um, a drama actor, actress, um, was really cool. And like, not only the way that I, not only did I like the way the movie dealt with Mima's reaction to the change, it's the way that they dealt with um, the people around her and the way they reacted to that change. Where like her manager was like, "Oh, you know, stay to your roots. This is what got you famous. You know, stay in this like pop idol um, sphere." Where like um, the other guy, like the the studio heads, were like, "No, like we want her to you know branch out into that um, into that actor role to grow up." And even like the the stalker who was like, no, Mima's a pop idol. That's all I see her as. That's all I want. She, I love her for that. And that's what I want her to be. And so um, I just love the way that they kind of gave us different perspectives on that change. Um, and then as the movie progressed, I love how even though what was going on was a, was very real, like Mima just had a stalker, that, but they still were able to wrap it in. This is something that um, is going on like in Mima's head, that Mima is also having an issue with the transition and it's like amplified because of the situation with the stalker. Um, and also I thought I found it funny how like new the internet was at the time. This movie came out in 97 mm-hmm. and like, I think internet Explorer had just came out in 95. Yeah. And so like, or like micro the Microsoft boom and IBM yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. Like it had really just gotten big in 95. Uh, like the first, the first Mac computer came out in 95. Mm-hmm. So like, the internet is incredibly brand new and the way that they were navigating that was so funny because now we're 20 plus years removed from that and it's like <laughs> yo like it's real the internet's running the world <laughs> hashtag meta well not not 20 plus years i don't think is uh, it 97 97 2007 17 yes yes i don't well, think definitely more than 20 20 plus that plus is important mm. <laughs> Mm. It's twenty plus. So that means anything fair, more fair than enough, twenty. We are we at this at the t- especially at the time of this being released. At the time of this being released, we'll be twenty five removed. So you're right. I'm what? You're you're right. And you were. I was wrong. I I I thought. See what happens when you interrupt me? I thought the math. Happens? I thought the math was wrong. But I was I was wrong. Sounds like, like somebody got seven. As I was, move as on, a, Cyrus. Move <laughs> <laughs> <So> on, move <laughs> on, man, move on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the internet was so new. But yeah, in the way they just like that double narrative, I thought was really was really interesting. And um, I love the ending. The ending, like that tension build, and just like the way it kind of. I thought it was going to plateau once she killed the, um, oh, well, spoilers. Yeah. Once she killed blank. She killed blank. Um, I love how it was like, oh, story's not done. She still got one more enemy to take on. And then she did. And I felt very, um, satisfied once Mm -hmm. I finished watching this film. Yeah, it is. That, that's a pretty good word to use. Uh, it's perfect blue for me, uh, was something that, there's a lot. There's a, quite a few things from uh, the '90s in terms of anime that I really uh, 
that I've heard a lot about that I personally want to get to that I also just have uh, just a real desire to uh, uh, get get myself uh, familiarized with. And Perfect Blue was one of those things. And so I've, I've always heard how like wild and trippy it is. And so just just getting to getting a chance to finally sit down and watch it was a really uh, uh, gratifying, not gratifying, uh, uh, just uh, exciting just because it's like, oh, I'm finally going to get a chance to see what the fuck is going on and holy shit like what the fuck is going on like that it's one of those when i finished the film i was like i get it like it, it's kind of similar to to what i was saying about lynch stuff it's like i get what i just saw like i understand it but like do i though because like i feel like there's something else here and it, it it really really did some stuff for me that i did not expect it to um just speaking to the animation it is gorgeous like you said 90s animation is is top notch uh and there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on here uh satoshi Kone, the director of this film uh i he's got a few other uh anime uh movies that he that he's done and i 100 percent uh want to check them out just because i feel like they're gonna be uh mind-blowing but uh th- this was just such an interesting uh and and uh just mind-blowing experience just because it felt so trippy and weird and uh it, it was like it, it was just such a such a rich such a rich experience like geez man what is what the fuck is going on here like what what am i watching right now and it, and, and the movie knows that is what it is and it plays with that mm-hmm. beautifully. Like it, it, it really, uh, really plays within that, like that sense of uh, uh, un, unknowing, that sense of uh, 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 confusion, uh, very discombobulating, and is very aware of that. And that makes it so much more uh, compelling to watch. Uh, narratively, uh, there's a lot of cool shit going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and on paper, this, this movie is, is fantastic. And just in practice, it's also fantastic. Yeah. And it is 1000% something that I want to watch again. Like, honestly, now that, now that we're sitting down to talk about it, I'm like, I really wish I saw this again. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd taken the time to watch this, like, again before we before we decided to do this do this episode because i just don't feel equipped to to discuss it anymore and mm. uh, i'm i'm sure that we'll it's going to actually i'm not sure but i'm almost positive that's going to end up making it into the sweet 16 um but as long as i'm drawing breath it will huh as long as i'm drawing breath it will hey we'll see we'll see it'll be it's going to be fun to try to pick the sweet 16 cuz a lot we got a lot of movies to pick from yeah we got a lot of movies to pick from and we still are Let's see. This is the third set. We're only twelve movies in. We still have over half to get through. We still have we still have uh, uh, sixteen movies. Wow! So uh, all sixteen of those could be sweet. Yeah, I'm. I full transparency. I'm one hundred percent expecting them all to be sweet. Uh, and so it's man. Oh fucking man! I'm so yeah, I'm so excited. ready. Uh, but perfect blue though. Just uh, just to wrap up thoughts on that. It is, um, it, it's an experience, man, and it, it is something that is so so fascinating. And there's like some interesting like commentaries there, and it's just like like the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, man, I'm not prepared to talk about this. Like, I need to see this again. I need to spend some time with this. Um, but yeah, that that's that's that on that. Uh, what what are you giving Perfect Blue Man out of ten? 
Let me get a uh let me get a uh nine out of ten. Damn. All right, cool. Nine out of ten. I was at a I think about an eight, a eight a solid okay. eight out of ten, like a really strong eight out of ten. But um needless to say, this this movie really worked for both of us. It was it was an experience. It was really uh, interesting to watch. It's also kind of like scary as fuck, like in a in a way. Cause I, I watched it like late at night and it was like, damn, this is this is tense as shit. Like it is yeah. it is another one, yet another film that's like, oh my God, this is you are earning your 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 space. you you are earning your Act. your spot in this genre of being a psychological thriller because it is thrilling psychologically. Like that is to a T what mm-hmm. this film is. Um but yeah, I guess that wraps it up. We we've done it. We talked about a lot of great stuff today. We did The Shining, uh, Blue Velvet, The Silence of the Lambs, and Perfect Blue. Um, next up, we have a lot of stuff. Should I tell them what we got next episode? Yeah, I'll, I'll let them know. You know, I won't leave y'all hanging. We got super excited to revisit all these. I've seen them all before, and I'm just so so pumped to see them again. Um, especially especially a couple of these. Uh, yeah, man, this this is gonna be a really fun episode. Next one. What? How how you feeling, man? How's how's everything feeling for you? Are you having as much fun as I am? I'm so fucking excited, bro. Like you said, the next 16th finna go crazy. 100, 100. percent But uh, y'all know y'all already know. Uh, if you listen to this point, uh, you know where to find the show. But for those who might not know, you can find us anywhere you get podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I think. Um, not on SoundCloud. Uh, fucking TuneIn, Stitcher, all, all, all the shits, all the shit. Everybody uses Apple Podcasts or Spotify anyway. So yeah. y'all already know. Um, leave us five star ratings and reviews, though. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, go ahead and slide on over there. Leave us some five star ratings and reviews. Help us get organic exposure. And we like to read them. It's a great way to give us feedback about what we're doing, what you guys want us to do better, what you want us to do more of. Um, uh, and yeah. Uh, and if you know anyone who you think, uh, would find our show fun or interesting please send them our way you know we love uh new listeners we love to get uh uh, new people uh add more people to the family and um it's 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 a lot of fun Uh, we have a lot of fun here and i hope we we want to share that fun with others uh where can i find you at quattro you can find me on instagram at quattro iv with the patron c and the u you can catch me on twitter at quattro iv underscore yes sir yes sir y'all can find me on instagram at flyguy.ty to eyes and fly and you can find me on twitter at flyguy.ty7 to eyes and fly again of course uh thank you again for listening for tuning in we re- we appreciate each and every one of y'all and uh thank you so very much we'll see you guys next time for the next episode of brackets and b-roll season two And uh, we are out. Brackets and B-rolls.